What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three old men shocked that 2023 is even a real year. I'm Matt Johnson, and if Nick Cage has something coming out this year, I'm seeing it. I'm Keith Baker, and I can't wait for another Scooby-Doo adaptation. And I'm Austin Terry, and I'm really rooting for Rami Malek this year. Oof. I don't know about that, Austin. I it's don't know. comeback season, baby. It's comeback season. He's, he's had a <laughs> string of stinkers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it right now. He will be a candidate for the honorary Mark Hamill Most Improved Actor of the Year of 2023. Okay. I could see it. I could see it. And he needs a win. By God. No time to die. Just the worst villain performance ever. (laughs) (laughs) Did he take all of 2022 off after that movie? No, he was in the box office bomb (laughs) Amsterdam. Remember the one that we wouldn't stop seeing commercials for with Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington? I do actually want to see that. It lost like $100 million at the box office. (laughs) Wow, just like Black Adam. <laughs> I think it's on HBO. I think I saw it on there the other day. Uh, okay. Well, there you go. There you go. You can go see if Rami Malek improved at all. Um, but on today's show, we are looking ahead to all the big movies and TV releases of 2023. But before we get to, you know, our big list, let's do like a quick little check-in and do a little temperature check. Do you guys think, based on what we're going to be talking about today, is 2023 going to be a good year for content? I think the summer of 2023 Mm. is going to be the biggest year that we've had in a long time for movies. There's just like big release after big release, it feels like. I am worried, though. It looks like it might be a rough year for my favorite side of movies, which is the horror side of films. Yeah, I noticed that, too. We'll see. You're right, Austin. I don't know. I'm a little worried. Um, But yeah, I'm very excited this year, though, for content, though, and movies and new seasons coming out of our favorite TV shows. There's, There's a lot to cover. I'm excited. You know, putting this list together, I just kind of kept getting more excited. I definitely agree with Austin. I think summer 2023 has a lot of potential to be, you know, one of those big years that we look back on. As for everything else, I think there's enough like smaller movies, um, some indies that just based on the premise that I'm interested in. So I think we could have a lot of surprise hits this year. Um, But I'm excited. I don't know. I think I know it's probably because of the pandemic largely, but, you know, in 2020, We kept saying, oh, you know, we're in the height of the pandemic, so a lot of stuff is getting pushed to 2021. I think even at the time, we didn't really have a great gauge on how long things would be impacted. So even stuff that was supposed to come out in 2021, like, didn't hit till 22. So I think, like, now that kind of, um, that push, those delays are slowing down. So 2023, I think everything that we, like, know is happening will happen. So it kind of gets me more excited. Um, Like, there's not that fear of, like, delays anymore, which I'm happy about because, you know, that always sucks. So I'm just excited. You know, I don't know. I wasn't like anticipating 2023 for this stuff. But like I said, putting the list together, I kind of, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It is funny what a difference a year makes, because last year on our look ahead for 2022, I declared the DC release site looks really interesting. They all got pushed to 2023, leadership changed, and now they're all pointless movies. Mm. (laughs) Do you remember... Like for a while, they did that trailer like at the beginning of 2022. Like you might have seen it like in movie theaters. It was like the DC year trailer. It was like 2022 is the big year for DC. And it would like show clips from the Batman, the Flash, Aquaman. I think there was like one other one. And then, yeah, they all got delayed. (laughs) I want to go back and watch that trailer. All right. Well, guys, without further ado, let's get started because we have a lot ahead. So like I said, I went ahead and just made a huge list, basically, of all the major and interesting sounding movie and TV releases this year, and it is a lot. I think it's definitely, at least from what I remember, it's a lot more than our 2022 list. So we're basically just going to run through it. Um, We'll see what's on the way, what we're looking forward to, and ultimately, we will predict if this will be a good year of content. So 
let's get into it and see what we decide. Uh, before we do that, I guess, Austin, you came to the table with a fun game idea. I know we're going to like play it as we go, but just so the audience knows, do you want to set up what we'll be doing as we go here? Yeah, I'm calling this the Arnie's Guarantee, mm. and that's a working title. It's subject to change, but essentially what we're going to do is as we go through this 2023 release slate, each one of us has picked a film that we are going to guarantee is either going to be a hit or a flop. So one for each of us. We're going to declare that right now, and we're going to track those throughout the year and see how we do at the end of 2023. I'm excited. And look, I'd be happy to be wrong when it comes to my flop. If it ends up being huge, we all win. But there is one on here that I am like, oh, no. (laughs) There is one on here that I want to flop, so I hope I'm right about that. (laughs) (laughs) There's one on here that I know is going to be a flop, but I want it to win, though. (laughs) Oh, okay. I like that. I like that. Well, okay, so let's get started with January. Obviously, we're a little ways into the month, so we might as well start with a movie that I guess is out and is kind of, you know, it's like that little movie that could. Very low budget, and it's like within a couple days, it already like made its money back and it's turning a profit. I thought the trailers looked awesome. I think a lot of people thought it looked like shit, (laughs) and apparently it's great. So, Austin, I want you to tell us what movie I'm talking about here. I'm assuming you're talking about Megan, which is a movie that talking about Megan. (laughs) We both saw the trailers. I said it looked like shit and you said it looked great. I did. (laughs) Uh, So if you don't know, even though it's already out, Megan is basically kind of like a new take on Chucky and Child's Play. It seems like with the whole killer doll type thing. Um, Allison Williams is in it. She's the only person that I know is in it. Um, And it's about Gemma, who uses artificial intelligence to develop Megan, a lifelike doll programmed to be a child's greater companion and a parent's greatest ally. After unexpectedly gaining custody of her niece, Katie, when the child's parents die in a car accident, Gemma enlists the help of the Megan prototype, a decision that has horrific consequences when the doll becomes self-aware and overprotective of Katie, leading her to kill and harm anyone that gets in her way of protecting them. And the only thing I remember from the trailer is like uh, the dance that Megan does in the hallway. That's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) This one's surprising. It is actually getting pretty good early buzz. Um, And for a January horror movie, those do not have good track records. Uh, Last year, Scream was kind of the big surprise for January when it comes to horror. Uh, So this could be our Scream 5 of 2023. Mm, I don't know about this. I don't know. I guess it's just one of those, I, I guess I'll go see it. I don't know. I really there don't have go. much thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, it's one that I was never going to see. But then when it's like getting like 95s on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm like, okay, well, clearly a lot of people like it. So I'll, I'll probably go see it eventually. Um, we'll see. Megan could be the start to 2023 that we didn't know we needed. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll wait for streaming. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay, so moving on through January, kind of the next big one that we're excited about is The Last of Us TV show. This stars Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey, and Nick Offerman. Uh, Keith, I'm not sure if you know, but this is based on the critically acclaimed game, The Last of Us. Me mm-hmm. and Matt are huge fans of this game, and we've been anticipating the show ever since it was announced. Cool cast, like Pedro Pascal, like you said, Nick Offerman. Uh, is it going to be a miniseries, or is it going to be more, more than one season? They haven't really said. I mean, obviously, there's two games currently in the series. I have to imagine this is going to be a massive hit for HBO. Um, I think they'll make more. I think they'll tell at least the current story, you know. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting multiple seasons here. And the studio, the gaming studio Naughty Dog has a really good relationship with HBO. So it, it seems like it's a long-term investment for HBO. So I would assume that there is more seasons coming. Yeah. And Neil Druckmann, the co-creator of the first game, um, he's like directly involved 
with with it. Like he's like directing at least one of the episodes. I think he's been in the writer's room the whole time. I didn't finish Chernobyl. I want to go back because I loved what I saw. But the guy show running the show is the guy that show ran Chernobyl, which was like a critically acclaimed show on HBO. So I'm really excited. I mean, the cast is great. Um, I love adaptations. You know, I love when they kind of stick to the source material. I also love when they do things different. So I don't really know fully what to expect here. It sounds like they're going to flesh out the world. And, you know, even though I love the games, I think the trailers for this have been like awesome, like really got me hooked. So cannot wait. And we'll be talking about The Last of Us more because this is next week's episode. We'll be covering Mm. the premiere. All right. uh, Moving on. Another one that I think has potential to surprise. Did you guys watch the trailer for you people? (laughs) I kind of love this premise. (laughs) I love this trailer. I'm so excited for this one. Yeah, I thought it was, it was, I thought it was funny. It's cool to see Eddie Murphy back and Jonah Hill. You know, I haven't seen both those guys in a while. Yeah, it seems like it's been a while. Jonah Hill just plays such a good, like, awkward guy. Yeah, that's what I'm excited for. The idea of just Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill sitting down and riffing off of each other. I, I think it's going to be a fun hour and a half. Yeah, and it's directed by um, Kenya Barris, who does Blackish, which is a really awesome, super funny show. So it's a good team. Comes out later this month on Netflix, I believe. And it's pretty simple. It's just Jonah Hill. He seems like kind of this um, guy looking for love. Um, And he kind of stumbles upon, I think, the character played by Lauren London. And they hit it off. And he wants to marry her, but he has to meet her parents, (laughs) played by Eddie Murphy and Nia Long. And it just seems like it's going to be that fun, like, run-of-the-mill awkward comedy. But I'm sure it's going to have a lot of heart. It's going to be super funny. I think we all know how it's going to end. But, you know, it's one of those, like, easy watches. It just looks like it's going to be super fun. And moving on here, uh, Poker Face is another big show coming out in January. I'm just excited for this one because of the cast and crew behind it. Um, You've got Ryan Johnson, who's now, is of course, known for the Knives Out fame. And then Natasha Lyonne, who who is most well known for uh, Russian Doll on Netflix. This is essentially a mystery of the week type show where Natasha Lyonne plays kind of like a down on her luck detective. And there's all these cases as she goes on a road trip that she's trying to solve. Um, The trailer looks really quirky. Natasha Lyonne, it looks like she's kind of maintaining that same character she played in Russian Doll. And I can't wait to see her paired up with someone like Ryan Johnson. Yeah, I'm kind of with Austin. I'm excited because of the team. I didn't even really love the trailer. I am going to watch it, though. I'm excited. Um, But yeah, I guess it's just going to be kind of a a procedural in the sense that it's kind of like a case of the week. Each episode, they're tackling something different and they kind of resolve it within 40 minutes or whatever it is. So I'm excited. I love Natasha Lyonne. I love Ryan Johnson, uh, who actually, fun fact for our audience, Ryan Johnson directed Keith's favorite Star Wars film, The Last Jedi. So I know even if he didn't know what was going on in the trailer, he's very excited for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Johnson does seem to have found kind of his niche, though, with these detective stories. I mean, the first Knives Out is a mega hit. I'm a really big fan of Glass Onion, the sequel that just came out. So if he stays in this lane and, and wants to do more detective stuff, I'm excited for it. The last one for January that I really wanted to spend at least a little bit of time here, and I'm shocked that there's not more about this show because the team involved is insane. This is um, Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein and Brendan Hunt's like next show. They're the guys that created Ted Lasso, and they have another show coming to Apple TV, and nobody's really talking about it. There's like a quick little teaser trailer, but it's one of those teasers where it's like nothing from the actual show. It's kind of just showcasing who's in it. And I'm like, this comes out later this month. Where's where's the press? <laughs> like, you have a show starring fucking Jason Siegel, Harrison Ford, Jessica Williams, and Krista Miller. I mean, these are like big movie people and big TV people. Like, w- what's going on? Um, this is weirdly the way Apple TV likes to promote their stuff, though. I guess that's they true. don't give you like very detailed trailers. 
Yeah, that's fair. And it's basically just about a therapist dealing with severe grief, who I believe is played by Jason Siegel. Um, and he begins to breach ethical barriers by telling his patients what he completely thinks, resulting in massive changes to his and their lives. I thought Harrison Ford was the therapist. No, Jason Siegel's the therapist and Harrison Ford, I think, is like his mentor. But I think he's also a therapist, like basically telling Jason Siegel, like, oh, don't do this. This is bad. So, um but yeah, I mean, it sounds like a cool premise. I love the cast. I fucking love the, the team behind Ted Lasso. So it feels like it's kind of a guaranteed hit, but we'll see. This is kind of Harrison Ford's year, right? Indiana yeah. Jones, this show, 1923. It's fun to see him in a TV show, like an actor of his caliber. Yeah, 1923, I think, was the first time he's been in a show since like before he got Star Wars, maybe like since the 60s. Like he's just been doing movies since then. And I love that he's like fully bought in. It sounds like if he's getting a good script at this point, it doesn't matter if it's about movie or TV, he'll do it. So. I'm excited. All right. So that is January for 2023. Let's move into February now. Uh, February is the month I like to call when movies start getting good again in the calendar year. And we're kicking February off with a bang with the new M. Night Shyamalan film. And that's Knock at the Cabin. Um, I'm excited for this one just because Dave Bautista is in it. I think Dave Bautista is a really underrated actor. He's always picked super interesting uh, projects. And I'm just excited to see what he does. This is a thriller that follows a family on vacation at a, ro- at a remote cabin, and they're suddenly held hostage by four strangers, demanding they sacrifice one family member to avert the apocalypse. And also everyone's favorite star of Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, is in this film, too. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, you know what? I'm actually excited for this one. Um, M. Night Shyamalan has certainly, um, in my opinion at least, he's on kind of a tear. I thought Old was pretty good. I liked Glass, and I love Split. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much in for whatever he's doing. I, I did not like the first trailer for this, but the second trailer, the newer one, got me really excited. Whenever they kind of like pulled back the curtain and kind of gave us the whole apocalypse element, that's when I was like, oh, okay, I see where they're going. This is kind of cool. So I'm excited. It looks like a fun thriller. Yeah, Dave Batista coming out of the woods looks so creepy in that trailer. Right? Yeah. I saw Don't Worry Darling last year in theaters, um, which I would not recommend, but the best part of watching it was the trailer for the knock at the cabin played. And I mean, I was in a theater with like mostly older women and whenever it went like from M night Shyamalan, I'm not joking. Somebody literally like an older woman literally went, ah, <laughs> <laughs> like they were in until they saw his name. <laughs> Is that a bad? Uh, or a I don't good, know. Uh... That's a good question, Keith. I don't know. The next one for February, this movie looks like it has the lowest budget of anything I've ever seen 100%. for a trailer. Yeah, uh, It's called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. It's a horror take on the classic Winnie the Pooh story. I don't think this one looks very good, but the idea that the people that like own the rights to Winnie the Pooh allowed this film to get made is very interesting. Um, it literally just looks like Winnie the Pooh and Piglet are murdering people and you're trapped in a cabin with them. Yeah, this looks bizarre as all get out. Like, when I was first started the trailer, I was like, oh, they're going to be like an actual bear and an actual like pig or something like that. No, it's just people with a pig mask and a bear mask on. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, this looks absolutely horrific. Um, and you might be shocked that this is not the flop <laughs> that I'm giving. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it will literally be a flop. There's no way it's going to be successful or received well, but there's one that I'm saving my flop award for. Um, I think financially it might be successful just because people are going to be like, should I go see that? That's yeah. the weird Winnie the Pooh movie. That's true. And it costs so little. It might be hard not to make a profit. We'll see. Yeah, but this is happening a lot lately. Like, did you guys see like at, like at the very end of last year, they randomly came out with something similar? Like it was a different take on the Grinch. It was just like, oh, the Grinch is murdering people in Whoville. So like this is like weirdly becoming a thing. Like maybe whenever certain properties either go into public domain or like 
like the creators aren't with us anymore. So like you have like their families, like younger generations that get to make the call. This is happening a lot. I don't know why. It seems like a weird trend of just like taking these like children's stories and then aging it up to like an R-rated murder fest. So, I mean, it'd be nice if one of them was actually good. Like that'd be fun. But I don't think this one will be it either. Wasn't there an R-rated like Muppets detective story too? There was. Yeah. A few years ago with Melissa McCarthy. That's right. No one saw that one. So, uh oh. All right, next, I would say, uh, maybe you guys agree, probably like the first like major in terms of like blockbuster release of the year. We have Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, directed by Peyton Reed once again. Um, the cast you expect, Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Michael Douglas, Michelle Pfeiffer, Catherine Newton coming in uh, as the different actress playing um, Scott Lang's daughter in this one, and Jonathan Majors playing Kang the Conqueror. We last saw him in Loki season one. Um, I'm actually not at all excited for this. There's just something about the Ant-Man movies that don't work for me within the MCU. I love Ant-Man in like the team-up stuff, but I don't know. I, I like Peyton Reed sometimes. I think he's done some cool episodes of The Mandalorian. But other than that, I just don't think he's that great of a director, unfortunately. So I don't have a lot of hope for this, honestly. I hope to be wrong, but I don't know. I, don't, I, thought that, I think the trailers have been honestly really bad. <laughs> like They're just not good. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I don't know what it is about this one. There's like no buzz for such a big movie coming out and like another version of Kang and Kang's supposed to be our, our big bad now for Marvel. So I'm kind of worried that this one might be like a MCU level flop where it still makes its money back, but it, it's kind of received like Thor 11 Thunder was. The only thing that would kind of caught my eye on this one that I that I don't know that I'm thrilled about is that they're kind of opening up a whole new universe again. Like there's a whole bunch of other people and aliens living in this realm. Now I'm like, oh, crap. So this is going to open up. It's just it gets too big for me sometimes. Like, I wish they sometimes can keep it a little bit more contained. I know Loki goes kind of goes into that world, but I, I enjoy it more in Loki. It's still so weird to me that nothing so far in the MCU has tied back to Loki, like at all. They haven't tied too much back. This is the first major thing to tie back. Um, I guess you could argue that, like, uh, No Way Home, could that have happened had the multiverse not broken apart? I don't know, because they didn't reference it, so... No idea, but at least we're getting more Jonathan Majors. I love him, but I just wish he was in a different movie. <laughs> All right, so the last movie for February that I'm pretty excited for is a film directed by Elizabeth Banks called Cocaine Bear. It stars Carrie Russell, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Alden Enric, and Ray Liotta. Um, and this just looks like a fun, wild ride. It is literally about a bear that ingests cocaine and goes on a murdering rampage. I'm really pumped for this movie. <laughs> when I first saw it, I was like, oh, this, is, this looks ridiculous, but I'm excited, uh, especially with the cast. Ray Liotta's last movie, I, I believe. Uh, I don't know how it's going to do in the box office, but I'm really, ho I'm really rooting for it, though. Me too. I, I guess I wouldn't say we need more movies like this, but I definitely appreciate movies like this that don't really take themselves too seriously. They have a fun cast. They're just trying to make you laugh and, you know, maybe cringe occasionally when it comes to the horror elements. So... At the very least, there's no way it's going to be boring. I love the trailers. It certainly got me hyped up. I hope it does well. I love Elizabeth Banks. I think sometimes she's hit or miss when it comes to directing. But overall, I like what she does. And she's so funny. I love her. Um, yeah, so I'm really rooting for this movie, too. I'm definitely going to see it in theaters. I think it's going to be a fun experience. Uh, it looks like a blast. So hopefully it's able to maintain what the trailers did in like a minute and a half to like an hour and a half. But I think it could. I think it could. I think the trailers have been perfect for this movie. I'm really worried it's one of those things where they showed you all the good parts in the trailer and Maybe. the rest of the movie is a slog. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. All right, guys, let's move on to March. Um, and it's fitting because I think on March 1st, we have another huge release, one that feels like it's been forever. 
Um, the Mandalorian season three, Pedro Pascal is going to be on a tear this year. Uh, we have, you know, Giancarlo Esposito coming back, Carl Weathers, Katie Sackhoff. And I didn't know that Christopher Lloyd and Tim Meadows were joining this season. I love both <laughs> of them. So that's exciting. And yeah, all we really know about it is Mandalore is confirmed to play a huge role in this season, which they set up at the end of season two. Uh, so we know Mando is traveling there to redeem his past transgressions with, uh, with Grogu at his side because... It was that whole weird thing of like the book of Boba Fett had two episodes that really kind of advanced Mando's character. If you remember, like he admitted to taking off his mask in public and he was like cast out essentially. So that's kind of where we left off with him last. So I guess going to Mandalore, uh, there's like a way to like literally like a race. You have to like bathe in the waters of Mandalore or something right. like that. Um, but that's going to tie into the Darksaber because we know Katie Sackhoff's character is not happy with Mando for she wanted it and he accidentally took it from Moff Gideon and became the owner. So I think it's going to be about Mando on a personal journey, but also he's going to probably get roped into taking back Mandalore. So I'm really excited. And you guys know I'm kind of up or down with Mandalorian. I thought that first season, I was, I felt like I was on an island. I just did not like that first season. But season two was so damn good that I'm, I'm on a high note. I'm on a high note. I'm excited for season three. It is going to suffer from what we talked about, where if you didn't watch the book of Boba Fett, you're going to be very confused That's when the right. season starts <laughs> off because Mando season two ends with Grogu being left with Luke Skywalker <laughs> and season three is going to open where Mando and Grogu are just back together. Yep. But Boba Fett's probably, we're probably going to see him in Mando season three. I'm, I'm hoping. I don't need him. Well, I don't need him and I don't need, I, honestly, I don't need Grogu. I, I get kind of tired of that relationship. Do you think we get Luke and his robot voice back? Ugh, please. May the force be with you. No. <laughs> I don't want it. He must be trained. <laughs> he must stand trial. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So I got another one coming out here with our boy, Michael B. Jordan. Creed 3. Sylvester Stallone is not reprising his role as Rocky. And there's going to be a new... looks like there's going to be a new... Uh, villain, uh, I think, who was a former friend of his in his childhood. Played by Jonathan Majors. And yeah, Jonathan Majors. So uh, yeah, what do you guys think about this one? Are you guys excited? I'm super excited for this one. Uh, this is, I believe, Michael B. Jordan's directing debut, yeah, which I'm excited for. Yeah, It is weird behind the scenes that Sylvester Stallone has like now turned on this franchise and thinks it never should have been made. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing. But I'm excited. Jonathan Majors and Michael B. Jordan's relationship looks really cool from the trailers. And I think it's going to be a, a really interesting story to tell without Rocky's involvement. And I'm excited to see how Creed himself kind of advances. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited. I really loved the first Creed. And for whatever, even though I loved it, for whatever reason, I kind of held off on seeing Creed 2, ended up watching it on a plane. And even on like, you know, that format, I was like, wow, how did I not see this already? Like Creed 2, this was awesome. Like I, I loved that one too. Um, so kind of just based on my love for this, you know, little side franchise, I'm I'm really excited for Creed 3. I think um, I'm kind of with Austin. I'm, the trailer certainly brought me in. I love Jonathan Majors, like I said earlier. Uh, I like the idea of like a childhood friend who then went to prison and maybe maybe took the fall for something Adonis did is kind of the vibe I'm getting a little bit. Uh, now he's out of prison and he has like a chip on his shoulder because he feels like all of um, Creed's success should have and could have been his so that he becomes the enemy in that sense. And setting up a big battle. So yeah, it seems like a more personal story, one that I'm, I'm excited to see. But Keith, are you not excited for it is my question. I'm a little bit more excited now like that I've seen the trailer. I wasn't before. I think I just, I think it's just because I get tired of these boxing movies sometimes because they all kind of seem to be like the same thing. I think it's kind of cool to see 
that this one's going to be showing uh, Adonis as more of like uh, a famous guy, I guess, and like and every and everything that's surrounding that because it looks like he's going to be sponsoring a couple other fighters too. Um, that Jonathan Majors' characters, I think, might be defeating. So that'd be kind of cool to watch. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah, uh, and, there, and there's been talk that maybe this is it. You know, maybe this is the finale. They're not going to extend it out like they did with the Rocky franchise initially. So if this is kind of a cap off to a trilogy and it's good, then, you know, the, the Creed trilogy might kind of quietly be one of the better film trilogies we've seen in recent memory. So if it is the finale, uh, it could be cool because obviously you have to kind of treat the story and ending differently. So I'm excited for that aspect, too. All right. So we already kind of talked about it. Um, damn, it's been fast. Scream 5 came out last January. It kind of took the world by storm and it performed like crazy at the box office. So they immediately got Scream 6 in development uh, and it's coming out this March. Uh, it's directed by the same team as the first one with Matt Beninelli Open and Tyler Gillette, who I believe are also behind your next, if I recall. Uh, the cast, we have Courtney Cox, Musa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, Hayden Panettiere returning from Scream 4, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, and this time around they're joined by Dermot Mulroney, Samara Weaving, Tony Revolori, and of course, uh, Roger L. Jackson is back as the voice of Ghostface. Um, really all we know is it's kind of continuing from Scream 5 with uh, the survivors of that uh, chain of killings. And then they're in New York to kind of get away from it all. Uh, and despite kind of leaving it all behind, they are pursued by a new Ghostface. Um, I, and if I recall, Keith, you and I weren't super high on Scream 5. I think we liked it enough, but I don't know. There's something about like the short little like minute long teaser trailer they did where I was like, I'm liking the vibe of this. And I like the cast, you know, the surviving cast I'm excited to see back. I am pissed that Nev Campbell's not in it. She kind of got fucked where she was like the champion for Scream 5 and they asked her if she was going to be coming back and she seemed so excited about it. Um, and they, yeah, they really screwed her over. I mean, she's like, she and Ghostface are the face of this franchise and they weren't going to pay her fairly. It seems crazy. And she was like, well, then I'm not doing it. So I respect her more, but um, it sucks that for the lead character of Scream, they were not going to pay her what she deserves. And so because of that, she's not in it, which is unfortunate. Um, but everything else I'm excited for. Uh, I love Scream 4. Hayden Panettiere. Hayden P. She's back, baby. I can't wait. <laughs> I'll see this one just because David Arquette is not in it. You don't like Dewey? <laughs> <laughs> He's rolling over in his grave, Austin. I'm pretty excited for it. I love the Scream franchise, but I, yeah, like you said, Matt, I'm pretty upset that Nev Campbell as Sydney won't be in it. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe it'll be so good that you just forget about that fact. Jenna Ortega, of course, coming off of her breakout year of 2022, so I'm sure she'll be even more in the forefront for this film. So always excited for anything she does. All right, we have our first DC release of the year, which Shazam! Theory of the Gods. Um, everyone is returning for this one. Zachary Levi, of course, is back as Shazam. I'm more interested in this one just because of the behind-the-scenes fact. Like, are we going to find out if Zachary Levi is for sure continuing on in the new DC universe? Um, I love the first Shazam. I think it's one of the better DC movies to come out in the last few years. This is one of my, like, sneakily most anticipated of the year just because I love Zachary Levi so much. But I'm not sure how well it's going to do just because it's hard to tell if these movies are going to even matter at this point. I'm kind of excited. I, I'm with Austin. I, I thoroughly enjoy the first Shazam. Um, super fun, super funny, uh, very heartwarming, too. And I like that it wasn't super connected to their DC stuff. It just was like this fun movie, right? The reason I'm kind of iffy on this one is I just don't like this trailer. I, I don't think it's very good. I don't think it's very funny. 
I don't know. That's really the only thing that kind of dampering my spirits is like this thing that they put out to kind of put their best foot forward just hasn't worked with me. It's like one that I feel like every time I go to the movie theater, it's always playing. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I just don't like this trailer. Um, but I can't deny that I like the first one. So I am excited. Uh, David F. Sandberg coming back to direct like him. Um, and yeah, I mean, the new addition to the cast are pretty insane. Rachel Zegler, who's kind of had that similar uh, Jenna Ortega pump that you mentioned, Austin, with like West Side Story and everything else that she's doing. And then your villains, Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. I certainly love that. So can't go wrong with them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to see it. I just wish that first trailer was better. There's something about it that just irks me. I know that's annoying, but yeah. for whatever reason, I just don't like it. The trailers for the first Shazam were not good either. So maybe that's yeah, a good sign. that's true. That's true. Moving on here for March, uh, we have our first Arnie's Guarantee of the recording. Whoa! This is my guaranteed hit of the year. Whoa. It's a movie called 65. It stars Adam Driver and Ariana Greenblatt. It's a sci-fi story that follows Adam Driver's character crash landing on an unknown planet, and the big twist revealed in the trailer is it is Earth 65 million years ago, and Adam Driver's going to take on some dinosaurs, baby. The only reason I think this will be a good and will be a big hit is because it has the team from A Quiet Place behind it, and they have shown that they know how to take simple kind of thriller plots and make them really engaging and scary, and I love Adam Driver, so can't wait for this movie. I'm also really excited for this. Looks like this, since he's going into the, uh, the dinosaur times of Earth... We'll get some Jurassic Park, you know, on steroids here. So it should be a good time. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for it. I wouldn't say like I'm super excited. Um, I'm intrigued. My, my big worry is I really hope the movie doesn't treat the whole 65 million years ago on Earth thing as a twist. Because whenever I saw the first trailer, I was like, oh, are they just revealing that in the trailer? Um, so I'm nervous that like we see the movie and like that's revealed like the end. <laughs> so that's my one worry. But other than that, I mean, the team behind it and in front of the camera is obviously great. So I'm intrigued. I wouldn't say like I'm super pumped, but I'm, I'm interested in this one. Adam Driver has like a great, I think, sense for picking good scripts. So I can't imagine he would just pick something like solely for the paycheck. Obviously, you know, that that plays into it, but he has good taste. So I, I, I think that's like a good sign. So we'll see. Definitely going to see this one in theaters, at least for sure. Yeah, we'll have to track this one and see if it is indeed a hit. All right. So we got another one coming out. We got John Wick 4, Chapter 4. I'm actually rewatching the John Wicks right now to kind of refresh myself. Still holding up for me. Love those movies. Love the action. Love Keanu and all the other uh, side characters. But yeah, what about what, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, I mean, how could you not be excited for this one? It, it's still crazy to me that they are now on their fourth one of these and they've still kept it fresh and interesting with every movie. Um, it's such a simple plot, just watching Keanu Reeves beat up some people, and they've it, turned it into this really interesting world. I can't wait. I'm, this is one of my most anticipated of the year. Me too. And I'm thrilled to be saying that because, as you guys know, I don't like John Wick 3 very much. I love the beginning of it when it's like actually continuing from John Wick 2, where he's excommunicado and he's like in New York trying to escape that. That's when I love the movie with that crazy knife fight, like the horseback stuff. Um, but then after that, once you get to like the Halle Berry scene and then pretty much everything else in that movie, it didn't really work for me. But the fact that like John Wick 4 is coming out and the trailers got me this excited, like I can't wait. Super excited. Even like for these movies, the plot isn't important, but I'm kind of intrigued by the premise of like, oh, he actually has a, like a legit way out by going into like single combat with Bill Skarsgård. If he dies, then obviously he's out in that sense. And if he wins, then the high table will fuck off and leave him alone. So it's kind of an intriguing premise. And I mean, this franchise is just attracting like such heavy hitters. Like I mentioned, Bill Skarsgård, they're adding Donnie Yen, Hiroyuki Sonata and Clancy Brown to this one. Come on. I can't wait. Can't wait. Um, just one of like the great franchises right now, even though I don't love three. It's just awesome to see 
like at start, like, you know, a few years ago at this point, they're already on four. They're talking about five. Keanu's said, as long as they're successful, I will keep doing them. Um, and I'm also really stuck. I think 2024 Ballerina comes out, which is the spinoff focusing on the Angelica Houston run school from three. And it's Anna to Armas. I think Norman Reedus is in it. And they've also confirmed that, you know, like John Wick's in it, too. Keanu's coming back. Um, yeah, it's just like a super fun franchise to watch. So I can't wait. I love it. So they always find a way to make the stakes interesting in every movie too it, like it always feels like he could die in these films yeah. even though you know oh, there's yeah. more coming out remember when three ended and he fell off a building and survived <laughs> <laughs> yeah didn't we give the toby Maguire uh hurt my back award uh, to him on that one <laughs> yeah that was Pretty insane sure. <laughs> all right here we have our early 2023 section we don't know the release dates of these yet but these are the movies that we have heard is supposedly coming at some point in the early part of 2023 First up the list here is Secret Invasion. Uh, this is Samuel Jackson's big return to Marvel. Um, it follows a faction of shape-shifting aliens, the Skrulls, who have infiltrated all aspects of life on Earth, and Sam Jackson is back to uncover the mystery. Yeah, man. I'm excited for this one. I think it's just another one of those six-episode shows for Marvel, which I've always said I wish it was a little bit longer, but for some reason this feels right for Secret Invasion. Um yeah, it's just a cool cast. Like, obviously, you have like people like Amelia Clark and Olivia Coleman, Kingsley Benadir coming in um, as new people. But I love like they've taken almost like an amalgamation of other Marvel shows and movies. So you have like Sam Jackson, like you mentioned, Ben Mendelsohn, who we've seen interact with him in like Captain Marvel, um, Kobe Smulders from the Avengers movies, um, Martin Freeman from Black Panther, and then Don Cheadle from you know Iron Man and the uh, Avengers stuff too. So it's like a fun little cast they've assembled to kind of take on this. Uh, global threat so i'm kind of excited i like the idea of nick fury as the lead in a marvel thing i think that could be fun i'm excited for the tone of this one i, I didn't even know there was a trailer for this so it seeing that was exciting um the tone just looks so different from anything marvel's putting out right now and i'm really pumped for this like serious mystery story yeah i want to watch the trailer because um i'm kind of confused of where he's at in the timeline right now wasn't he in space or something like that i think everyone's confused <laughs> yeah. i think that yeah this is like his return to earth i believe because in the trailer kobe smolders is really mad at him for like not like just leaving and not really staying in touch or saying what's going on. Um, but yeah, the, the threat is so big. He has to come back. And I like that. Like, like the returning cast that I mentioned are all kind of figures like tied to the government or the military in the MCU. So the idea that like they're kind of all teaming up to take on this like really weird specific threat is cool. So yeah, good stuff. What do we know what's happening with Don Cheadle's armor wars project? Yeah, they actually turned it into a movie. So it's not a TV show. It's going to be a movie maybe coming out next year. I think I don't think that's this year. All right, one that I am super, super excited for. Feels like it's been forever, Austin. Uh, Invincible, finally coming out with season two. Uh, stars Stephen Young, Sandra Oh, and J.K. Simmons, uh, returning from season one, of course. And like that, that, that voice cast is stacked. Like I could have listed more, but I don't know when I would have been able to stop because it's like heavy, heavy hitters. Uh, like Austin mentioned, at some point, early 2023, hopefully sooner rather than later, and for Keith, I guess I'll read this part. Um, Mark Grayson is a seemingly normal teenager, except for the fact that his father, Nolan, is the most powerful superhero on the planet, and that shortly after his 17th birthday, Mark begins to develop powers of his own and learns how to wield them with help from his father. Season two, I think we're going to see uh, maybe going up against each other and maybe going up against, you know, the planet that his father hails from. Uh, but we'll see. Invincible rocked. That first season was it's amazing. incredible. Um Keith, I guess one thing you might like is that uh, the series is created by, not the show, but like the comic book series is created by Robert Kirkman, which I guess he did it after The Walking Dead. So mm. kind of getting some vibes there. 
But that first season is just great. I mean, it's classic superhero stuff. It's like super subverting a lot of things you would expect. It is a gore fest in like super creative and fun ways. It's like one of the most violent things I've ever seen. Yeah. Really? And it's animated. It's animated. It's super funny. It's super like heartwarming at times. It is like a true coming of age story in a lot of ways. So they really blend all that together super well. And the ending of the first season was like so crazy, unexpected, and like just all that that I was like, Ugh, I can't wait for another one. <laughs> and the the thing that made matters worse is I, I think it two years ago it came out at this point. I thought it was going to come out in 2022 would be season two, but that didn't end up happening. So I cannot wait for more of this. I'm assigning you homework, Keith. Even before you go watch the first Shazam, when we stop recording on this episode, you need to go start the first season of Invincible. It's totally worth your time. No, three things on my list as far as superhero movies or TV shows goes. Shazam, Into the Spider-Verse, and then Shang-Chi, and then I'll go watch Invincible. There you so go. There you I go. got some homework. Lots to do. Lots to do. All right, guys, we're moving on to April. We're skipping over the Super Mario Bros. movie. Maybe it'll be fun. I don't know or care. I'll say it looks surprisingly good. I thought it would be trash. It looks surprisingly good. I, I would tend to agree. But unfortunately, Austin, it doesn't matter how good it is. It will not be as good as this next project. <laughs> <laughs> that, my friends, is Renfield, directed by Chris McKay, starring Nicholas Holt as the titular Renfield, Aquafina, and, of course... Nicolas Cage as Dracula himself. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. Count Dracula's lackey Renfield finds a new lease on life in modern day New Orleans when he falls in love with Rebecca Quincy, a feisty but perennially aggressive traffic cop. Um, it's been like kind of positioned as an action comedy. And in that sense, from the trailer, it looks like it nailed that. Uh, Nicolas Cage, man. Can't get enough of this guy as Dracula. Are you kidding me? It's gonna be, it's gonna be a hit. <laughs> <laughs> the premise is exciting. Uh, I know you're a huge Nick Cage fan. That his Dracula looks atrocious. I just gotta say it. <laughs> that accent is horrible. <laughs> well, he has um, teeth in his the, mouth. <laughs> the dynamic between Nicholas Holt and Cage does look super fun. So I am actually loosely excited for this one. Hopefully, they'll be better than that movie he did last year. Us. What was it called? Ooh. Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. That was horrible. <laughs> Our boy Pedro. <laughs> Pedro. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for it. Nicholas Cage's Dracula is hilarious. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll go see it. Whatever. Why not? All right. Well, maybe we have a good feeling about this one. Moving on to May, we have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Another one that feels like it's been a long time coming. Uh, I know the James Gunn firing, then moving over to DC, and then coming back, kind of move things around. But uh, Volume 2 was 2017, so it's been a while. Uh, we have the same cast coming back. We have our Guardians returning, of course. Um, Will Poulter is joining this time as Adam Warlock, and then we have Chakwudi Awuji, who was one of my favorite characters. I think Mern was his name in Peacemaker, <laughs> the guy that was kind of running the team and was secretly a butterfly the whole time. He's playing the main villain who apparently has ties to Rocket Raccoon's past. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love the trailer, and apparently after purchasing Nowhere from the Collector, the Guardians of the Galaxy attempt to make it safe um, for alien refugees. But after a brutal attack, Peter Quill must lead the Guardians on one last dangerous mission to protect one of their members, and it could lead to the team dissolving. And they have confirmed that this one will dive deep into Rocket's past. Uh, the trailer was, I thought it looked fun, and it's kind of very emotional too, so very on brand for James Gunn. I'm excited for this last outing of the Guardians. That's the interesting thing is they've confirmed this is the final installment for the Guardians. Uh, I'm excited too. I love that first trailer. I think I'm in the minority where I really didn't love the holiday special. So I'm, I hope that it is at least different from that. I love the Guardians. They're one of my favorite parts of the MCU. So can't wait to see their next chapter. I am a little bit confused because I, I have to go back and remind myself of the Avengers timeline as it gets 
blur to my head, but so Zoe Zoltana, she did not, she came back, right? Through the, like the multiverse. It's her past self is now in the present, essentially. So she doesn't really know the Guardians team. That's right. Okay. Well, that'd be cool to see how they play that out. All right, guys, moving on to the next one. Um, one of my most anticipated of the year, Fast X, everybody. And my Arnie's flop of the year <laughs> is Fast X. <laughs> this is my guarantee. This movie will flop. Yeah, we're not actually going to spend time on Fast X, but I had to bring it up <laughs> for Austin. Who? Wait, so Austin, sorry, I know <laughs> we want to move on here. But again, how many of these have you seen? I know you like despise this franchise, but like have, you've seen some of them, right? I've seen all the way up to Hobbs and Shaw, I believe. Whoa, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> nice. Whoa. All right, so we're not going to spend time on that. Sorry, Jason Momoa and Brie Larson. We love you, but we just we can't do it. Keith and I will see it and love it, of course, but we can't spend too much time on it. What we will spend time on is one, a last-minute addition to the list, because I actually forgot about it, is Killers of the Flower Moon. And this is Martin Scorsese's next movie. I think this is another Apple TV original, potentially. Crazy cast uh, based on a true story and a book, I believe. Um, Jesse Plemons is our lead here, and he is joined by, of course, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, Tantu Cardinal, Brendan Fraser, and John Lithgow. Um, and it's about the members of the Osage tribe in northeastern Oklahoma are murdered under mysterious circumstances in the 1920s, sparking a major FBI investigation directed by a 29-year-old J. Edgar Hoover and former Texas Ranger Tom White. And I believe Plemons is playing Tom White, so he's the one actually investigating this stuff, whereas... DiCaprio and De Niro are members of the family affected. It's obviously a crazy cast. That's who Martin Scorsese attracts. But Jesse Plemons is the one I'm most excited for of this crew. I, I love this guy. He's had such a crazy arc since Friday Night Lights, and he just seems to always be doing bigger and better projects. Yeah, we've seen Leo and Robert De Niro, of course, in past Scorsese movies, but it'd be cool to see Brendan Fraser and John Lithgow as well. Yeah, we, don't, we haven't gotten a trailer or anything yet, but it's hard to count out Martin Scorsese, so can't wait. All right, let's get into June here. Uh, we have one of my most anticipated of the year, and that is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1. Uh, this is the sequel to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, the mega hit following Miles Morales. Yeah, the first one has no business being as good as it is. It is an absolutely fantastic just film. Animation is gorgeous. The cast is all great. The writing. It's so funny. It, it is great. It's a really good movie. And another one, like the sequel, you know, obviously that kind of animation takes a long time to do. But it's been like five years, I think, maybe four or five years since the last one. So cannot wait for this one. Oscar Isaac coming in as a, another version of Spider-Man that's potentially a villain. I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, man, not a lot to say here. I'm, I'm just super, super excited. Yeah, the fun part about this one is, is, of course, learning more about Miles Morales. But then seeing all the alternate Spider-Man is always so fun. And I'm excited to see. It looks like there's even a bigger roster this time around. There is one sour note, unfortunately. Um, the other day, Nicolas Cage confirmed that he was not returning as Spider-Man Noir. I had a quick little cry in the shower after that, but now I'm past it. I I'm still excited. I'm still excited. <laughs> uh, we won't spend any time on it, but my actual guaranteed flop of the year is Transformers Rise of the Beast. This movie looks like absolute dog shit. They're not doing anything with cars. It's animals now. This movie will be horrible. It's animals now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. I never saw Bumblebee. I heard it was good. But this seems like a weird leap going from like a personal story with Haley Steinfeld and Bumblebee that got really good reviews to this. Like, whoa. <laughs> uh, I've never know, cared man. about these movies. Like, I, I like the first one, I guess, with Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox. 
But even that one, I was like, eh, that's cool, I guess. But <laughs> Well, Keith, th- there wasn't any animals in it. <laughs> you needed the animals. <laughs> this movie somehow looks like another Michael Bay movie, even though Michael Bay has nothing to do with it. I know, that's what I hate it. about it. God, like Michael's not working on this. You don't have to make it look like a Michael Bay film. All right, guys, next we got one that I, I've heard good things behind the scenes, but I am still, for whatever reason, just so nervous about. And that is... A movie that was supposed to come out in 2018 and is now coming out (laughs) in the year of our Lord, 2023, The Flash, a movie that has gone through more writers and more directors than Ezra Miller has punched in random bars. God, finally, though, it is directed by Andy Muschietti, who is most well known for the It films. Um, It stars Ezra Miller, persona non grata, (laughs) Ron Livingston, Michael Keaton returning as Batman, um, Kiersey Clemens, Michael Shannon returning as an alternate version of General Zod, Sasha Kayla Supergirl, and what looks to be Ben Affleck's final outing as of a Batman. Um, comes out mid-June, and really it's just an adaptation of Flashpoint that fits into the DC universe, um, which is the classic story of Barry Allen running back in time to save his mother from dying, and by doing so, he creates crazy ripple effects within the multiverse that kind of puts everybody in danger, and he has to decide, is it worth it to save his mom by the end or revert that decision? A classic story, one that I love. Ezra Miller, I love in the Snyder Cut, man, but they have just rubbed me the wrong way when it comes to their actions over the last couple years. It's going to be weird watching them in a movie and knowing what they're doing in their personal life. Sounds like they're finally getting help. Might be too little too late. I don't know. Um... I'll miss Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton coming in. I don't know, man. I'm just nervous, and I don't even really know why. I keep hearing good things about it, but I'm so nervous about this movie. Yeah, I have also heard the good things about this one. What makes me apprehensive is I just don't know how a movie that has been through so many rewrites, the stories change multiple times, the cast has changed, the directors. I just don't know how this could possibly be good, but the positive buzz has always been attached to this movie, so we'll see. Ben Affleck, I'm excited to see him back one more time. And there was also a weird report this week that Ezra Miller, because they have stayed out of trouble since checking into therapy, could potentially be staying on in the new DCEU. So maybe this is not a goodbye to them either, but we'll see. It's a weird movie, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm excited about it. I'm more just curious to see what they do with the different timelines and stuff like that. Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck interacting and Michael Shannon as General Zod. I think that would be cool. Hopefully they structure it in a way that makes sense. That's all, that's all you can hope for, Keith, is that the movie makes sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I actually really am excited for Michael Keaton um, coming in as Batman. It just seems it's it's gonna be it's gonna be cool, like seeing an older version of that character. Um, I'm I'm intrigued about that. In terms of like Ezra Miller staying on, it, it would make sense, right? I mean, Flashpoint, you know, both like the comic and various adaptations, uh, Barry runs back to what he thinks will be the present day or whatever, like his present day at the end, and then everything has changed. So that's how they kind of signaled going from the New 52 to DC Rebirth. So you have Ezra Miller at the end of the movie decide to like run back to where he thinks he's going to be, and then you don't have Ben Affleck anymore. It's a different actor playing Batman, a different actor playing Superman. It would make sense, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know if uh, <laughs> Ezra Miller is going to get that. It would be weird if as they were running back to the present, they changed into a different actor. That wouldn't make <laughs> sense. So, and like the story-wise, it makes sense for Ezra to stay on. I just don't think Ezra's actions have earned them the right to no. stay on in this role. 
All right. Well, let's leave that behind and move on to something that we can feel more positive about. And it's Wes Anderson's new movie, Asteroid City. Um, this is I, I felt like I had to include the full cast because it is insane. I mean, Wes Anderson recruits some of the best talent in the business. So I'll just run through it real quick. Everybody, please bear with me here. We got Tilda Swinton, Adrian Brody, Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Rupert Friend, Jason Schwartzman, Scarlett Johansson, Brian Cranston, Hope Davis, Jeff Goldblum, Jeffrey Wright, Lev Schreiber, Tony Revolori, Matt Dillon, Sophia Lillis, Maya Hawke, Fisher Stevens, Edward Norton, Steve Carell, Hong Chow, and Willem Dafoe. Insane. This one takes place in 1955, and students and parents from across the country gather for scholarly competition, rest and recreation, comedy, drama, and romance at a junior stargazer convention held in a fictional American desert town. I love Wes Anderson. I've been falling off a little bit recently. The French Dispatch I did not like. I love The French Dispatch. thought it was great. Yeah, I say I didn't. I thought it was fine. I guess I was hoping for more. I guess just his last two just haven't been what I was hoping for. That's all. Um, but he's still one of the best work. And, and I mean, this cast is hard to ignore. So I'm excited. That's all. I, I don't have much else to go on, really. We just have the log line. So uh, even if I'm kind of following off Wes Anderson in the last two releases or whatever, I'm still always going to see his next thing. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. No one really makes movies like him where he, he tells you interesting mysteries and stories. But at the end of the day, they pretty much leave you feeling good. So I just can't wait to get back into another movie from him. There's something about like the Tom Hanks, because like most of the people I just read there like have worked with Wes Anderson at least once, many of them multiple times. Um, but the idea of a Tom Hanks um, pairing, it feels right. It feels good. I'm, I'm excited about that. All right, guys. This is my most anticipated movie Whoa! of the year. Is this your guaranteed hit? No. I'm, I, I think it is going to be a Ooh. hit, but there's another one I, I think is going to be a bigger hit. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Harrison Ford's coming back. We got Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Antonio Banderas, John Rhys-Davies is, is returning as Sala, and Matt Mickelson, I think, is going to be the villain. I believe so. So, coming out June 30th, I can't wait. Um, it's taking place in 1969. Yeah, so his goddaughter, Helena, accompanies Indiana Jones on his journey. Meanwhile, uh, Jurgen Voller, a NASA member and ex-Nazi involved with the moon landing program, wishes to make the world into a better place as he sees fit. But I thought Shia LaBeouf was taking over as Indy. Well, the problem is when you're Where Shia LaBeouf promoting the movie and then you start shitting on it, you're going to piss off Steven Spielberg <laughs> and Harrison Ford and not come back. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm excited. I, I love the Indiana Jones movies. I've talked about them a lot with Keith like over the years. Like Every, every time I rewatch them, I, I always tell Keith for some reason because I always like my opinions change on them weirdly. Like I, I always get something new out of them and it's just such a great franchise even like kingdom of the crystal skull like I, the last time i watched him, i told keith you know what the first half of that movie is great kind of good yeah it's kind of good it's really just it falls off at the end and that's yeah. why i think people shit on it because of like that last half but the ufo scene oh, they shouldn't have done that crazy <laughs> um <laughs> but i can't wait for this movie i am so excited the cast involved um the passion behind it is pretty palpable whenever you hear harrison ford and everybody talk about it the story seems cool I like the idea of like, because I mean, like, yeah, he's always going up against Nazis and like that real life element of like, like the United States recruiting ex-Nazis to help with the space program was kind of weird when you think about that. In <laughs> we would not have gone to space if we had yeah, not recruited them. Yeah, why don't them. we do that? Um, so the idea of Indiana Jones getting involved in that sense makes sense. Um, I love Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Their pairing, I think, is going to be dynamite. 
And yeah, I mean, like obviously the big thing to talk about, like the last thing is like Steven Spielberg was going to direct this movie and then for whatever reason decided not to. And he just wanted to be an executive producer. George Lucas is an executive producer. But our boy James Mangold, you know, the guy behind uh, Walk the Line, Logan, Ford v. Ferrari coming in. And it's another one of those things. It just feels right. For whatever reason, whenever they announced that, I was like, oh, yeah, I could see that. And I thought the trailer, uh, obviously, it was kind of a teaser, but it just has such a great look to it. Like, it just, there's something, like, super crisp about it. And so even though it's, like, an 80-year-old Harrison Ford, the fact that it still feels believable, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm, like, surprised at how excited I am for this. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to have to do an Indiana Jones retro episode this year. Yeah, we will, sure. Before this comes out, because I have seen the Indiana Jones movie. I've seen each one exactly once and only once. So I did not have the same kind of fandom that you two have. I, I, would, I would be excited to revisit them. Uh, the thing that has me interested in this is James Mangold. I'm excited. I always love when a director gets a chance to take on like a, a different take for a new project. That's why I love Rogue One and Andor so much, because you have a new team coming in than the traditional. So I'm just excited to see his take on Indiana Jones. All right, guys, so let's move on to uh, some projects that we don't have release dates for. So we talked about Mandalorian already. And guys, I don't know how you feel. I, I can't decide which Star Wars project I'm most excited for this year. Obviously, I'm pumped for Mando season three, but I think they're doing all the right things with Ahsoka. I I'm, I'm pretty pumped for this. Obviously, we have Rosario Dawson coming back, Natasha Luberdizo, Aman Asfandi, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and I didn't even know, but I guess Hayden Christensen is coming back in like maybe a similar role as Obi-Wan. Obviously, he was Ahsoka's master, so I, I would expect some more flashbacks with him actually on camera, so that could be interesting. That's what I was going to say. I think it's flashbacks with the young Ahsoka. Okay. And yeah, so apparently it comes out mid to late 2023, and we don't really know much about it. It's just a series that centers on the adventures of Ahsoka Tano, a spinoff to the other Star Wars stuff going on. So what is your guys' um, excitement level for this? We, you know, we've gotten glimpses of Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka in both Mando Season 2 and the Book of Boba Fett with the Luke scenes. Uh, are you excited for like, you know, a solo outing? I'm super excited. I have actually started my journey into the Clone Wars animated show. Um, nice. I'm not super far, but I am. I think I'm on Season 2 now. And so I, I'm becoming more familiar with Ahsoka, becoming an even bigger fan of her. The more I watch the animated show, the more I think Rosario Dawson is perfect as an older Ahsoka. So I'm, I think Mando is still my most anticipated Star Wars project, but Ahsoka is a very close second for me. Yeah, I, I would say I'm probably equally pumped as far as Mando 3 and Ahsoka. Yeah, I need to start watching Clone Wars too, Austin. I want to get a little bit more familiar with her. But seeing her in Tales of Jedi was really kind of eye-opening. Um, and then also seeing her her briefly in, in Mando and Boba was really cool. Yeah, I think Rosario Dawson is perfect for the role. So I'm excited to see what they do with it. I just love kind of getting more stories set between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. I mean, that was one of the cool things about The Mandalorian. So I'm liking that that gap is getting filled in a bit more. Like, do I need to know exactly how the First Order came to power by the events of Force Awakens? No, I don't. I don't care too much about that. But just getting like stories with like older versions of these characters. It's, it's kind of cool to me. So yeah, I'm super excited for this one. I don't need the first order thing either, but if we get to discover it through Ahsoka's eyes, I think that could be really cool. That would be cool. Yeah, definitely. All right, guys. Another one that I'm pretty pumped, another spinoff. We have Gen V. This one is the spinoff of The Boys, and it stars Jazz Sinclair, Lizzie Broadway, Patrick Schwarzenegger, Clancy Brown, 
And we have a confirmed Jesse T. Usher returning as A-Train and Colby Minifee returning as Ashley Barrett, who's, I guess, busy running Vought at this time. Um, and it's basically, it's a really cool premise. In the world of the boys, young adult soups are tested in the Hunger Games-style challenges at the Godolkin University School of Crime Fighting run by Vought International. So it's basically just a spinoff focusing on uh, would-be members of the seven, you know, people that we would always see in the boys, like trying to get on the team or trying to be their own superhero. This kind of takes place whenever they're kind of a uh, learning the ropes, I guess. Um, and it looks like it is certainly keeping the tone, the gore, <laughs> and any everything from the boys. So, you know, but the boys season three turned me back around. I fell in love with that season after not liking season two that much. Uh, so I'm definitely pumped for this spinoff. Yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, the trailer was very gory. Uh, still had that kind of dark humor that the boys has. So I'm excited for this one. I imagine with this one, it's going to be like sky high, but rated R. <laughs> that would be. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. Golly, I wish we were talking about sky high today. Where's sky high too? <laughs> Will stronghold? Ah, <laughs> uh, the strongholds. God, you gotta love. Them. These next three things we're going to talk about, this is the craziest week of the year. One of them comes out on my birthday, and then the next two come out on the same day a week later. So where do you guys want to start here? I mean, this is going to be a crazy week during July. Let's start with old Tommy Cruz. All right, Tom, we got to get into it. It is, of course, Mission Impossible 7, a.k.a. Dead Reckoning Part 1, which that's kind of interesting. I like that they're, you know maybe telling an extended story split over two movies, uh, directed once again by Christopher McQuarrie, who came on in Rogue Nation, the fifth one, and he's been working with Tom Cruise like nonstop since then. Like he wrote a pass at the Top Gun Maverick script. Uh, we have the normal MI team returning, of course, and we have another crazy cast. Jeez. Vanessa Kirby is coming back. She was in the last one. And then in terms of uh, new people, we have Haley Atwell, Shea Wiggum, Palm Clementieff, Isai Morales, Rob Delaney, and Carrie Elwes. And we also have Henry Cerny, uh, who played the, I think he was like the director of the CIA or something in the first movie. And he's back in the seventh movie. We haven't seen him since then. So it's like, oh, okay. Comes out July 14th. And we don't know much about it. I mean, we've gotten a couple trailers. We got that badass, like, 10-minute behind the scenes of them setting up the stunt of Tom Cruise, like, literally driving a motorcycle off of a cliff <laughs> and then parachuting down. I can't wait. I love the Mission Impossible series. They're all good, except two. Uh, and then ever since three, I think they're just getting progressively better. I do think Fallout was a bit of a step down from Rogue Nation. Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is one of my favorite action movies of all time. Um, but I'm really excited about this. Like I said, I like the idea of doing a part one and part two because it's like you can extend one specific story. So it, it kind of gives me confidence that they're confident about the story they're telling, uh, some of the best practical effects in the business. So, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, I, I can't wait. I'm pretty sure I went from Mission Impossible 1 to Rogue Nation. I, I know there's a good chunk of this of this franchise I haven't seen. So I always have a hard time with this one keeping track of who's who. I'm excited for the movie. I, I like all the action in them, but I honestly just need to sit down and watch all of them together. They're all really good. I mean, except for two. Two is probably the weakest one out of all of them. Three is even kind of weak for me, too. Um, I think Ghost Protocol really brought him back for me. Keith, remember when we saw Ghost Protocol in theaters and then like for like some dumb like like high school kid thing we were like hey let's not leave the theater by the stairs there's an elevator here do you want to take the elevator down and we got stuck in the elevator do you remember that <laughs> i kind of remember that yeah <laughs> we were really scared <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, moving on here, we have Christopher Nolan back at the box office with Oppenheimer. This has a crazy cast. Uh, Cillian Murphy, Emily Blunt, Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Randy Malik, his oh. comeback, Florence Pugh, Benny Selfie, Michael Anganero, Josh Harnett, and Kenneth Branagh. The film follows the life of theoretical physicist Robert J. Oppenheimer, the director of Los Alamos Laboratory during the Manhattan Project, and his contributions that led to the creation of the atomic bomb. So... I was going to give my biggest hit of the year to uh, mm. Dead Reckoning or Indiana Jones, but I think I might give it to Oppenheimer. Okay. I think this might be one of the bigger, biggest hits of the year. All right. So we have another Arnie's guarantee. Keith Baker is saying Oppenheimer is a guaranteed hit. Yeah, man. I, I hope it is. Um, you guys know me. I just, man, I, I long for the days like 10, 15 years ago, whatever. I, I, I remember saying like Christopher Nolan is like the best director right now. And I do not feel that way <laughs> anymore. Yeah, Matt's not mad at Christopher Nolan. He's just disappointed. Hey, that's the perfect way to put it. Uh, he knocked it out of the park with Inception in 2010. And literally ever since then, I've just been disappointed. I don't like The Dark Knight Rises. I don't love Interstellar like everybody else does. I love Interstellar. I thought Dunkirk was like kind of a waste I of like my Dunkirk. time. I like Dunkirk. And Tenet was like genuinely terrible. Tenet was terrible, <laughs> yeah. So, I like the idea of Tenet. No, I like the idea too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know what the idea was because you never know what's going on the whole time. Yeah, we just didn't know what it was. Yeah, I like the idea, but I'm curious about what it was. Um, so I'm really hoping Oppenheimer can bring me back in. The cast is incredible. Killian Murphy finally getting kind of like the lead role in a Nolan movie after playing like all the side characters uh, is enticing. It's exciting. The trailers. It's weird because it feels like Nolan is still doing his whole practical effects thing. Apparently, he dropped a real bomb. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, it feels like not like Tenet, which kind of just fully is about kind of the action and how it looks. This is more like a real story. I like the idea of like the color in the past. And then like as things get closer to the present, it goes into black and white, where I think Robert Downey Jr. is more involved. Um, I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't. Why would um christopher nolan make this if it wasn't like a passion project to some degree so i'm really hopeful for this one i like what i've seen i like the cast but i mean he's just let me down like four times in a row now so i'm gonna go in with low expectations so that i could potentially be surprised yeah i'm actually didn't love the trailer for this one it seems like they're way too focused on the actual explosion which makes me nervous i, I know that's like a good marketing ploy that they actually dropped a bomb for this movie but i don't know just something about the trailer didn't hook me so we'll see. It's Nolan, so of course I'm going to see it, but I, I'm kind of nervous for this one. All right, guys, this next one, I can't wait for Barbie, baby. I cannot I'm wait pumped for Barbie. For, Barbie. <laughs> um, for a lot of reasons. I mean, the cast is great. You have Marco Robbie as Barbie. You have Ryan Gosling as Ken. You have Will Ferrell playing the CEO of Mattel, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Uh, America Ferreira, Simu Liu, Kingsley Benadir, Issa Rae, and Akuti Gatwa. It's directed by Greta Gerwig, man who is incapable of delivering a miss, in my opinion. Lady Bird rocks. Her adaptation of Little Women, I still think about all the time. It's one of the best movies of the last 10 years. Um, so the idea of her tackling Barbie is hilarious to me because it I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, did you guys see the trailer? It feels like it's trying to tell a real Barbie and Ken story, but it's also like breaking the fourth wall. It seems like it's leaning into real world element like i don't know i don't know how to describe it like i'm just curious about it so i can't wait this movie just can't help going viral it, it's always i feel like it's always trending like the when the first photos came out of margot robbie and ryan gosling it, it went viral the like teaser promos went viral and now this new trailer has like an insane amount of views on youtube so 
I love the vibe they're going for. It, I think it's going to be like a, a big surprise of the year. I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Yeah, I guess I'm pumped for it. It made me immediately think of Toy Story, like the Barbie and Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, thought, I always thought that was kind of funny. So I was like, okay, maybe live action will be funny too. So uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I'll, I'm going to go see it and uh, I'm sure it'll be a good time. Yeah, because they could have just done like some boring like love story about like how Barbie meets Ken, but like they're doing this weird subversive like fourth wall breaking comedy. So what's it rated? Is it PG thirteen or it's PG thirteen? Okay, so it's like you can bring your family to it too. Yeah. All right, guys. Before I move on to August here, I just have a quick one. Doing a little temperature check with my friend Austin because we have the Marvels, which is the sequel to Captain Marvel, a movie that a lot of people shit on, but I always liked. I, I always liked Captain Marvel. I thought that was a fun movie. This next one, though, is directed by Nia DaCosta, hot off the Candyman uh, reboot. And of course, we have Brie Larson back. But the thing that I'm excited about is Iman Vellani, who plays Miss Marvel, is in this. And Tayona Paris from WandaVision is in this. And of course, Sam Jackson's coming back, too. So I, I'm just excited about the idea of these characters interacting. And like the premise is super interesting. You have following the events of Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan, and Monica Rambeau begin swapping places with each other every time they use their powers and must team up to figure out why. The sole reason I highlighted this one is because, Austin, you told me the other night that you just started watching Miss Marvel. So does that kind of get you pumped for a sequel featuring said character? Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm on episode three right now on Miss Marvel, and I'm sad I missed it last year. Uh, it is like one of the better uh, MCU shows to have come out last year. Seeing these characters meet, especially because Kamala Khan is such a big fangirl of Captain Marvel, I'm excited to see that relationship play out. I have not seen Miss Marvel yet, so I can't say much, but sounds cool. <laughs> and that is Keith's guaranteed hit. That is a guaranteed <laughs> hit. Marvel's going to be the best thing that comes out this year. <laughs> <laughs> you better believe it. All right, guys, moving on to August, we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. I am super pumped for this one. Directed by Jeff Rowe. Uh, surprisingly, no cast or voice cast, because it's animated, has been announced yet, but this is... Um, the Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg produced project, obviously they're behind in terms of producing, they're behind the boys and they're behind invincible. So when it comes to like projects that they're super excited about, they're pretty damn good at it. Um, all we know is after years of being sheltered from the human world in the sewers of New York City, four turtle brothers who spent their lives learning ninjutsu set out to the surface to be accepted as normal teenagers when their new friend, April O'Neil helps them take on a notorious crime syndicate and an army of mutants. Um, I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, something I've loved since I was a kid. So basically any new version of it, I'm excited for. That's all I really have to say. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, Seth Rogen, this is a passion project for him. I'm super excited to see how this movie plays out. I, I love the Ninja Turtles as well. It being animated is exciting to me. It's kind of like they're going back to their roots after that Michael Bay stuff. So and the idea of like Seth Rogen's comedy being paired with the Ninja Turtles is really fun to me. This next one, mark it on your calendars, because this is the Matt Johnson guaranteed hit of the year. Ooh. We got Blue Beetle, baby, directed by Angel DC Manuel. Soto. I know. Can you believe I'm giving a hit to a DC film? One star, Sholo Maraduena, Bruno Marquezine, George Lopez, and Susan Sarandon. A Mexican teenager finds an alien beetle that gives him super-powered armor. That's the log line they're using. And I think it's a guaranteed hit, guys. Um, based on Austin's definition, something that takes the world by storm. I really just think this is it. I think Sholo Maraduena obviously has a huge fan base from Cobra Kai. Um, getting like a Latin superhero is exciting. And Blue Beetle is just such an endearing, fun character in comics. And in, I've seen him so many times in like animated projects. So the fact that we're getting a live action movie 
They've released what the suit looks like, and it looks fucking awesome. I don't know. I mean, we don't know like a huge amount about it, but the team involved, there's obvious passion there. The cast is great. Um, and this is a character that deserves a movie. And I think because of all those factors I mentioned, it's going to take the world by storm. You got the Cobra Kai fans. You got Latin people going to support, you know, that culture that we're going to see a lot of in this movie. They've talked about that a lot behind the scenes. Um, so I think it's going to take the world by storm. And I think for that, it deserves the stamp of a guaranteed hit. Yeah, I mean, obviously, DC is hoping this will be the cultural hit that the first Black Panther was. And I think they've got a chance here. Based on the poster, the colors that they're putting into the movie, I think, look super cool. Um, we don't know a ton about it, but I love Blue Beetle. I'm glad he's finally coming to the big screen. And I'm excited. And it seems like this one is not going to be super connected either to the DCEU. So I'm hoping there's a chance that this kind of crew gets to stay on for the James Gunn world as well. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I mean, uh, I like Zolo from um, Cobra Kai. And my my man, George Lopez, is coming into the George. picture. We love George. So, yeah, it'll be a good time. It also bodes well that this was originally an HBO Max original movie, and they decided to turn it into a theatrical release. So anytime something like that happens, to me, that means like executives and people in power saw it and were like, holy shit, this is really good. Maybe we should ditch the HBO Max original. We should put this in theaters because it's going to do well. So that yeah. that shows confidence, which is exciting. It's a way better trajectory than Batgirl, which was also an HBO Ugh. Max movie, and they turned it into a tax break. Yeah, that's still pretty sad. <laughs> they just canceled it. Uh, oh, man. Brendan Fraser, it's Firefly. All right, guys, let's move on to uh, something that I think could potentially surprise people. We have uh, Taika Waititi's next movie called Next Goal Wins. has a great cast. Michael Fassbender, Will Arnett, Elizabeth Moss, and Reese Darby comes out at the end of September. And it's about Dutch-American football coach Thomas Rongen, who is tasked with turning the American Samoa national team, considered one of the weakest football teams in the world, into an elite squad. I love Taika Waititi. He's obviously a really funny guy. I love his comedies. But whenever he puts that into these more dramatic pieces like Hunt for the Wilder People and Jojo Rabbit, I mean, he's hard to beat with some of that writing and some of those emotional moments, like kind of like diffusing certain things with comedy. So the idea of him tackling a more dramatic thing after kind of a string of comedies, I'm pretty excited for this. I, I love Michael Fassbender, so we need more of him. So can't wait. Yeah, I'm excited for this one exactly for the reasons you just listed. I'll see anything Taika Waititi does, but I love the movies where he tells a serious story and throws in his flair for comedy. Yeah, I'm, I'm more just fascinated with the story itself, too. Yeah. Um, this football coach going to America's Samoa. That sounds really cool. I, I didn't really know a lot about that kind of stuff. So always interested to see a new sports story. All right, guys, we're moving into October with what the scariest film of the year, Craven the Hunter, the next line <laughs> of films in the Sony adjacent to Spider-Man, where we have Venom, Venom 2, and Dr. Michael Morbius. Now we have Craven the Hunter, directed by J.C. Shandor, stars Aaron Taylor Johnson, Ariana DeBose, Fred Hetchinger, Christopher Abbott, Alessandra Nivola, Levi Miller, and Russell Crowe. Uh, it's about Russian immigrant Sergei Kravinov, who is on a mission to prove that he is the greatest hunter in the world, although he will not be hunting Spider-Man because Sony is not allowed to do that. And guys, <laughs> Austin asks, why is this highlighted? And it's highlighted for a very important reason. This is the flop, the guaranteed flop, baby. Oh. Fans have <laughs> preached what they have to put out there. Venom, not very good. Venom 2, not very good. But you know what? They make money right? People love Tom Hardy. Morbius bombed. Twice. Tw that, yep. You beat me to it. Morbius bombed so bad, but people did so many memes about it that the 
creators are like, I guess people love Morbius. And they released it in theaters again, <laughs> and it bombed even harder. Do you really think people are going to go see Craven the Hunter? I don't care how good your cast is. You fucked up. <laughs> so you're a flop. <laughs> the only reason they're making these movies is so they do not lose the rights to Spider-Man, even though they can't make a Spider-Man movie. It's insane. Uh, this movie will be terrible. Anytime you can have your flop of the year be Sony's Spider-Man universe, you're going you're gonna to hit 100% of the time. So good job, Matt. This was a good flop by you. This was a good flop. You know what, guys? We didn't highlight anything else before we move on to November, but after like seeing what's released in October, it truly is the scariest month of the year because we also have Saw 10. <laughs> wow, I can't wait. And the Exorcist film from the team behind the recent Halloween franchise. That the is trilogy. the scariest part of the year. The fact that they're making an Exorcist film uh, from David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, and it's a sequel to the original. I'm sorry. I love Halloween 2018, but this is not a good pairing. <laughs> I'm really sad about this because September and October <laughs> are my favorite months of the year for like scary stuff. It's my favorite time. And there is Jack shit announced this year. Where's our barbarian? Where is it? Yeah, There's where not is a single it? scary movie I want to see this year. Damn. This could be a weak Halloween, guys. I'm scared. I'm scared. All right, guys, let's move into late 2023 here. Uh, we got a string of quick TV mentions. One of the other, I guess maybe the last Marvel thing to mention is Agatha Coven of Chaos, which is like a spinoff focusing on Catherine Hahn's character, obviously. It's kind of like a pseudo sequel to WandaVision. So we have Catherine Hahn, of course, returning. Aubrey Plaza, who I love joining. It's the only reason I'm excited. Aubrey Plaza's on a tear lately with White Lotus Season 2 and Emily the Criminal. Uh, yeah, she, she's joining Marvel. That's super exciting to me. Yeah, they've also confirmed that like Deborah Joe Rupp and a lot of like the character actors that were playing like residents of Westview and WandaVision are coming back. So I guess it takes place in Westview again. Um, but yeah, we don't know much about it, but you know, Catherine Hahn, love her. Like she's just one of my favorites. So, and I guess Marvel agrees because they're giving her a spinoff. Like we don't know a lot about it, but I I'm hopeful that it's good. So I always want her to, you know, succeed. Also for late 2023, we have Severance Season 2, come which I feel on. like has to collectively come be the Arnie's most anticipated thing of the year. They voted it the best thing to come out last year. I mean, the cast is coming back. We're getting the advancement of that mystery. Nothing's really known. Can't wait for a trailer. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I can't wait. Probably my most anticipated show to come back. Yeah, the Severance Season finale, I think, is one of the best season finales like ever. I mean, if we remember where that left off, like they finally were able to... I don't even know how you would say it. Like their severed selves are able to be conscious in their non-work selves. And basically they cut off the episode right when they all switched back. <laughs> so they're going to have no idea what's going on, but they were able to communicate certain things to uh, the outside world. So no idea how it picks up, but I can't wait. All right, Keith, we know you have to head out here. Uh, this episode recording took way longer than we thought. It's been, it's been in a good, for a good reason though. It's been fun. But Keith, before you go, uh, we are very much anticipating you gave your, you know, your guaranteed hit, but we need your guaranteed flop. So please, before you go, tell us what is the guaranteed flop of 2023? I think the guaranteed flop will probably be Sawtin. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels funny hearing somebody say Sawtin, doesn't it? <laughs> All right, guys. Yep. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got to leave, but continue without me. All right, Austin, it's just you and me. We just have a few more things to hit here. I think we have some ones that I, I, I'm, I'm excited about. You know, the end of the year is always good for content. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch of other things that they announce as the year goes on, but this is what we know for right now. Um, and this one has potential to surprise people, I think, and that is 
True Detective Season 4, and it has uh, the subtitle Night Country. Uh, this one stars Jodie Foster, Callie Reese, John Hawks, Christopher Eccleston, and Fiona Shaw, hot off Andor. Um, and this one from Issa Lopez and Barry Jenkins. The season is set in Alaska and follows detectives Liz Danvers and Evangeline Navarro as they investigate the disappearance of six men from a research station. No, True Detective is, a, is an interesting one to talk about. I mean, obviously, everybody loves season one. Season two had good things about it, but I think was a pretty big downgrade despite the great cast. Season three, not as good as season one, but definitely, in my opinion, a big step up from season two, I think largely because of Mahershala Ali and Stephen Dorff's performances. So I'm actually excited that we're getting more, and it's from a different team. Nick Pizzolatto, I don't think, is involved with like writing or anything with this. So yeah, kind of like keeping that true detective branding and that same style and tone is cool, but like new people behind the camera and obviously new actors, like all the seasons. I'm actually pretty much like, I'm really anticipating this. I, I, I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I actually was surprised to see this on here because I thought this series was dead. So the fact that there's another season coming out excites me. I'm in the minority that I love all three seasons, so I can't yeah. wait for more. An Alaskan setting with that true detective tone, I think will be great. So I'm pumped. Uh, just a quick one because... We don't know for sure. This is definitely one of the most like kind of murky ones. I did see it on some lists, so I thought I should include it. A Squid Game we know is doing season two, uh, which is super awesome. I I just finally watched Squid Game season one last year. I was kind of late to the party. And it was another one of those things. Whenever I finished, I was mad at myself for waiting so long. I had no good reason, (laughs) like like, literally no reason for not watching it. Uh, And I thought it was incredible. They're saying late 2023 for this one, but they're also acknowledging that it might be early 2024. So we'll see. We have Lee Jung-jae and Lee Byung-hun returning, which I'm excited about. And the plot is under wraps, but the creator has given kind of some like hints and nuggets about what it could be about. Uh, It seems to revolve around Ji-hun returning to take down the front man and prevent the Squid Game from happening again, which kind of was the cliffhanger of season one. Uh, And they have like they've really talked a lot about the front man uh, being... Uh, getting more exposure in a season two, like learning more about them, which is interesting. Uh, I'll be, I'd be curious if their police brother survived that shooting because we never saw a body. So I think uh, we might see more there, but I'm super excited. Like I said, I was late to the party with this one, but that first season was so incredible that it could have just been a one-off, but I'm also like selfishly glad it's not. I'm glad we're getting more. Yeah, there's no way Netflix was going to let that be a one-off with how viral it went. Um, that season, is, I think, is one of the best Netflix originals to come out recently, so I can't wait for season two. I'm a little disappointed in Netflix, though, because they did that weird Squid Game game show, which oh, made it yeah. seem like they totally missed like missed the, the message of the show. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But is I'm glad out? there's more coming out. It's been announced. I don't think it's come out yet. We got to watch that just to see how like tone deaf it is. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. You want to take the first, and I think the only one we have in November. I know you're probably the biggest fan out of the three of us. Yeah, the biggest thing for November is Dune Part 2. Dee Villeneuve is returning, along with Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, and Zendaya. And then we have some newcomers. We have Charlotte Rampling, Javier Bardem, Florence Pugh, Austin Butler, Leia Sado, and Christopher Walken. Uh, this has to be like one of the biggest blockbusters anticipated for 2023. I'm pretty high on Part 1. Um, not only do I think the visuals are incredible, but I just think I found that story and world so fascinating to learn about and I'll see anything Denis Villeneuve does. So can't wait. Yeah. Uh, I remember that first watch. I did not love it, but I'm so glad I watched it a second time because I was like, okay, now it's hitting me. Now I kind of, um, have more of an appreciation for this. I'd actually be curious to watch it again. I'll definitely do that at some point before the new one comes out. But yeah, man, like, uh, I, I'm, cause the first one did feel like a weird cutoff point. Like, 
it, it did. Like, yeah, okay, totally. Did. I know they're making a second one, but this still feels odd. Uh, so well, and the first one had that weird like part two wasn't greenlit yet. That's so right, if yeah. they never were going to make part two, then part one was really going to feel pointless. Yeah, yeah. So I'm excited for the conclusion to the story. And I think Denis Villeneuve has talked about like some of the spinoff shows they want to do on HBO Max and like maybe they will do more movies based on the other books. So seems like they're trying to set up a world here. I'm just really excited for the new cast. I mean, I love Austin Butler, Florence Pugh, and Christopher Walken, and Leah Seydoux as well. Uh, so that'll be cool. And I'm just ex- Javier Bardem, man. They only gave him like two scenes in the first one. So I'm excited for more of him. Definitely more anticipating this than I was um, like going into the first one because I didn't know what to expect. I-, I haven't read the books or anything like that. So um, yeah, I- I'm pretty hyped on this. I'm pretty hyped on this. All righty, guys, heading into December, um, just a couple things left here. The last TV show we'll mention is Loki Season 2. Obviously, we've got Tom Hiddleston back, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Eugene Cordero taking on more of a role, I believe, Tara Strong as Miss Minutes, Owen Wilson, Sophie DiMartino, and like the one like major new person we know is in it is Kihi Kwan. Super happy to find him in this world. That's going to be cool. And the plot is under wraps, of course, but it does look like Loki will have to pick up the pieces after watching the multiverse rip itself apart at the end of season one. Uh, We don't have a trailer, of course, or anything, but we are getting some interesting stills, which is exciting. We're seeing like multiple Tom Hiddlestons in one scene with Owen Wilson. So Loki, I'll never forget like going into that because I told you guys that of the initial batch of MCU shows they announced like... um, WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and some of the other ones, I was like, Loki is without question the one I'm least excited for. Do we really need a show about a character that already died? This is a different version of that character without the character arc and growth. Tom Hiddleston just can't say goodbye. He can't say goodbye. But going into it, it was a really awesome show. I think it was super funny, super tight, well-written, and very powerful. Tons of great emotional um, and heartstring-pulling moments there. It surprised the hell out of me. The even bigger surprise was whenever the credits rolled and the post credit scene was literally just them confirming season two. I was like, nice, awesome. Because most of the other MCU shows aren't getting season twos. They're either like just going to take those characters and put them into movies um, and we never see the show again. But they were with Loki like, we have more to tell. So we'll do that. So can't wait. Yeah, Loki season one, I would probably call the best Marvel TV show at the moment of everything they've released. I think it's fantastic. I'm really just excited to see more of Sophie DiMartino's and yeah. uh, Sophie DiMartino's Sylvie and Loki's relationship. Can't wait to see that play out, especially with the events of Kang and everything that happened there. Can't wait for that. This is one of my most anticipated of the year. Absolutely. All right, then, Austin, do you want to close us out here with the last project, the movie that has been delayed by literally a year? (laughs) Our final, yeah, our final one, our Christmas gift from the DCEU. Uh, Christmas Day release is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Uh, James Wan is returning once again to direct, and we have Jason Momoa, Willem Dafoe, Patrick Wilson, and Yahya Abdul-Mateen returning from the first film. Uh, I don't know, man. I guess it's Jason Momoa's goodbye to this character. He didn't know that when he started making the movie, but he will be. this will be his last appearance as Arthur Curry, and then he'll be transitioning to Lobo, it sounds like. This is another DC project that I think after the James Gunn hiring is now kind of going to feel pointless because the story is not going to lead anywhere. But the first one made a billion dollars, so they were always going to make a sequel. We'll see what happens. Yeah, the weirder thing now is this is coming out after The Flash. And we talked about how The Flash could very easily, just at the end of the movie, have Barry run back to uh, his timeline, get there and be like, oh, shit, I've changed a lot of things. You know, there's Batman. I know Batman, but he looks different now. Easy no brainer way to transition from the old way to James Gunn. 
But then six months later, Aquaman 2 comes out. <laughs> so the whole thing is bizarre. I, I kind of I, I disagree with you when it comes to a lot of the DC projects feeling pointless. But this one, it's hard not to feel that way. And I feel bad because this movie has been done. It was supposed to come out. Then it was going to come out before The Flash and now after. Like the, the only reason they're delaying this movie is because they keep having to delay The Flash. Right. Yeah. So it sucks for them. They keep have to they keep having to wait on this one, which makes me wonder, like, is this somehow connected to the Flash? I don't like, why, know. why is the Flash being delayed so important? Yeah, I have no idea. Um, we don't really know anything about it. Uh, they have said that it will, I think, unsurprisingly kind of focus on a buddy comedy relationship between Arthur and Orm, played by Patrick Wilson. So the idea of them kind of having to be buddy buddy and go on an adventure together sounds kind of fun. Maybe they team up to fight Black Manta or something, but. I'm kind of with you. It's just it, the perfect way to end the year. It just it, it just sounds and feels a little bit pointless. I hope to be <laughs> wrong because I know out of the three of us, I'm the highest on the first Aquaman. Is it a great film? No, but I just think it was an absolute blast and like classic blockbuster throw back all the popcorn you can type movie. So if this is like that, then yeah, I, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, we got the black suit as well. They've announced that. Oh, yeah. So. I don't. I mean, the visuals are good in the first one for sure. So yeah. I'm excited to see James Wan's like see his expansive view of uh, the Atlantean Kingdom and all those seven kingdoms. So we'll see. I, I don't. I don't love the first one, but I'm still excited to see Jason Momoa back for one last ride. Definitely. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, January through December 2023. Those are the big releases moving TV wise. We left off a lot of things, um, but I think. Uh, even the stuff that we didn't talk about. There's a, there's a lot to look forward to here. So that's very exciting. I figured kind of the best way to really uh, cap things off here would just be, Austin, um, pick a single movie and TV show. What would you say um, are your most anticipated in both categories? Yeah, easily my most anticipated show, if it happens this year, is Severance Season 2. I just cannot wait to see the mystery continue. And I think I'm going to call... Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse Part 1, my most anticipated movie of the year. I love that first one so much. I love Miles Morales. I just can't wait for more. Oh, it's a, it's a toss-up. It's tough. I think when it comes to TV, at least, I'm definitely on the same boat. I mean, there's just something about Severance, like I talked about on our last episode, where we kind of were awarding it the best TV show of the year. It's hard to even describe. I mean, there's just something so great, original, atmospheric, and fun, scary, everything in between about that show. And I cannot wait, like you said, to see the mystery continue. I just trust that team so much. So can't wait for that. When it comes to movies, though, things get a bit tougher. Uh, I don't know. The man. Last of Us would be a close second for me. For TV. Oh, yeah. I didn't even mention The Last of Us. Yeah, of course. That's definitely up there, too. Yeah. When it comes to movies, I'm definitely with you on Across the Spider-Verse. Um, cannot wait for that. I think it's going to be awesome. Um, another example of just a team that just knows what they're doing. So I trust it and I can't wait. Renfield. I love Nick Cage, man. I love Nick Cage. I, I can't. Oh, that accent. I can't let my oh, boy that down. <laughs> Dracula. <laughs> uh, that's going to be a fun one, I hope. I think I'll lock in one that I didn't think I was going to, but after like talking about it, I almost like got myself more excited. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to go Indiana Jones on the Dial of Destiny. Ooh, that's um, a good pick. Yeah, man. That, that trailer got me amped. I love hearing all the cast members talk about it. There's clearly something special in this movie. Whenever you hear them all talk about it, it's like the best thing that they've worked on, it sounds like. Like Harrison Ford's on D23 stage, like crying, talking about like how much he loved <laughs> making it. It's like, oh shit, okay. So... I love Indiana Jones. I think this is obviously going to be the last one. Our farewell to Harrison Ford as Indy. Um, I think it's going to hit 
everything we want. I can't wait. I hope so. I uh, that's the number four is supposed to be with Shia Buff, and this should have been Shia Buff's movie. But then Harrison Ford was like, "No, Shia, I'm coming back." <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> punted him out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you for bearing with us. Uh, that was a fun one, a long recording, but one that I had a great time doing. There's so much coming out. It sounds like it's going to be a good year. At least, at the very least, it's a year that we're hopeful for. So hopefully, all these things that we're excited about actually come out and they hit us the way that we're hoping. But Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that so we continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review for an Apple podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday with a premiere recap of one of the projects we mentioned today and one of our most anticipated TV shows of the year. The Last of Us. The premiere is evidently, Austin, 85 minutes long. So we should have a good amount to talk about. Obviously, you and I are both big fans of the games. We talked about The Last of Us a lot. Is there any last things we need to say in preparation? Because like a week from now, we'll finally be watching it. I don't think we'll see him in the premiere, but I can't wait to see Nick Offerman's performance in this show. The Last of Us has such good atmosphere and it's so scary with the zombies when you're in tight quarters. I just really hope they're able to capture that in the show. Yeah. I love hearing Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey talk about it um, as two people that I believe they watched like playthroughs of the game, but they didn't play it themselves. They just have like such like a it just shows how great of actors they are, but they they just get it. Like hearing them talk about it, like they're nailing it. I'm like, oh, shit. Even I didn't think about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it seems like their relationship like is great on screen. It's clearly great in real life. So I just yeah, all signs seem to point to this being like one of the best things of the year. And lastly, everybody, we want to hear from you. Please send us a message on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. What movies and TV shows are your most anticipated of 2023? Did we miss anything on this list? Let us know. Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this one. We'll see you next week for The Last of Us. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Transformers will be dog shit. Oh, man. I already forgot that existed. (laughs) 